Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we used to read and discuss Animorphs. And now that that's over, we read and discuss Catherine Applegate and Michael Grant's other works, like Endling and Everworld and Gone. We also just talk about whatever we want, like how to lead speak, or are bird butts just like your lap? What T.E.? New episodes go up on the 1st and 15th of each month. Join us on the, the Apple, Apple Grant, Grant Book, Book Club. Club. <laughs> you guys want to talk about gone yeah Get so gone. okay casey you have not read any of this book series correct Alex, you have read the first book in this series. I did, but it was when I was deported, and I'm realizing now that I didn't make like retain almost okay. any of this. <laughs> okay. Get a lot I have read all nine books, and I've never been in this position before where I am the all-knowing entity now. Team? Yeah. Team is the master of us all? Oh, no. I'm, I'm the captain now. <laughs> uh, this is so exciting. Yeah. But it is, it's, okay, so this is another thing that I don't often get to do, though, right? Uh, and it's it's self-inflicted. But, like, I go through a book series and I'm like, wow, that was really great. And then I never get the chance to return to it because I never want to take the time to do it again because I've already done it. Mm-hmm. And there's so much new stuff that I want to yes. use my time getting through, right? I absolutely had so much fun going back through the first part of the first book. And looking for seeds that were planted. You know, you, you try to figure out if writers, like, that when they start writing, if they know where they're going to get. And I'm like, well, he definitely knew some of this stuff. Because you can already hear the stuff planted, you know? And I'm, I'm super excited about it. And I will tell you, nothing. Nothing. Keep your fucking well, mouth shut. But it's, it's, I will tell you that it's, it's, it might be better the second time through. Yeah? Yeah. This is good. Uh, and it's, it's easier, like, I, I, I think Getting the Ninth might be the best example of this. Oh, by the way, Kiki, I watched a review of Getting the Ninth on YouTube that I could not get through because the guy hated the book so much. And I was like, what book were you reading? Because it clearly wasn't the same book that I read. <laughs> but I will tell you that book is a lot. And there's a lot of characters with a lot of names and a lot of stuff you got to kind of figure out. That'd be the example of where I'm like, I bet that book is a million times better the second time through once you already already have like characters established and stuff. It is. Yeah. Um, This one, it's not as hard, like the characters aren't as hard to separate, mm-hmm. but it's still better knowing the characters already going into it as opposed to having to get to know the characters. Yeah, it is, it's fun. It's fun. And knowing where they're going to end up and whatnot. <laughs> I'm so excited. It is a really good book series. It's it's already like really, really I'm really, really enjoying it. And it it does like again, I don't I only read the first book and it was I'm telling you, I retained nothing. But uh it's already feeling like there is just this undercurrent of Michael Grant has a direction that he's going and he has a whole plan. Mm-hmm. And like, that was very exciting. <laughs> it definitely feels that way, especially knowing again where we end up and seeing some of the stuff that's sort of planted now. 
Like, it's like, ah, he must have had this whole thing laid out. And, but I'm sure there were changes along the way and whatnot, but, like, the, the core of it was, was already planned when he started. I, of course, also immediately started comparing Animorphs to stuff. Yeah. Um, I started assigning uh, character roles. Oh, okay. Like, I think the obvious one is Quinn is my Marco. Yeah. Um, well. Yeah. But uh, the the parallels, like, it's easy to parallel them now. It'd be harder to parallel them later, I think is what I'll say. I'm sure. Like, even, yeah. even vaguely what I remember about the characters at the end of book one is they become much more complicated much more quickly yeah. yes it's very different too than than the way we we started with everworld mm-hmm. it's i felt much more engaged much more quickly with this book series than i did with that one mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think it's because the, the kids going through this is so immediately like, oh no, a trauma has happened that I can relate to how they're feeling as opposed to why are all these children racist and terrible for no reason? <laughs> I say as somebody who ended up really enjoying the Everworld series. Yeah. I don't think I would ever recommend it to anybody without this massive caveat though. Yeah. Like the beginning is rough. Yeah. Like make it through a few books and like just just ignore a bunch of stuff. Okay, so you said the first thing you do is compare it to Animorphs. Of course. How does it stack up? I was more making like character sort of assumptions. If yeah, no, no, no. About- that's not a that's not a that's not a judgment of story. Obviously we can't we can't do that. But like yeah. in your in your comparisons, what what relates, what doesn't, who relates, and who doesn't. Oh, well, I was all over the Sam and Jake thing, of yeah. course. Yes. Like, yep. you know, okay. how could the you leadership. not be? Yeah, the, yeah. yeah the, the reluctant leader, the I don't want to step up, the why is everybody turning to me, I don't understand, and everybody going, like, literally every time shit goes down, you just handle it, dude? Yeah. Yes, like, yes. Yeah, it's it's an immediate Jake parallel right there. Um, Astrid, I was... <sighs> See, Astrid was Cassie to me. I I thought so. It's like it's like a slightly reflavored Cassie. Yes. Yeah. It's not a one for one. It's not a one for one. It's not an easy one. Mm-mm. And then again, same thing. Uh Quinn being Marco is not a one for one, but it's pretty Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then Adelio, Rachel ish? Tobias ish? Uh, I don't uh, know. You could make valid arguments for both after yeah. the first 13 chapters. Yes. Yeah. But like I said, those, I, I think after book one and definitely further into the series, we'd probably have a hard time picking anybody to be anybody. Oh, no. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way. Also, why are all the bad guys in this story named so stupidly? <laughs> it's like, you're not I a big know fan of the name villain. Howard. Well, no, I'm not a big fan of the name Howard, but also if anybody comes at me and they're like, oh, shit, cookies on the way, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm so scared. Like, cookie, okay, come get me, I guess, cookie, panda, oh, no, orc, okay, all right, guy. Oh, my God, there was orc, and then there was the girl who busted her shit, whose middle name was like Arwen or something. 
Laura Arwen. I picked up on that so I was like, yes, Lord of the Rings. Another one. <laughs> Another Lord of the Rings. Yes, I got so excited about that. Like too excited about that. Also, fucking, I know I'm just skipping all over the place. I fucking love the kid that just woke up and he's like, you know what my dream is in a world with no adults? I'm going to play house at McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> I love that kid. I'm so I excited. I love him so much. Was it Albert? What? I think Albert. it was Albert. Yeah. Albert. I fucking love that kid. I oh am so excited without, without giving anything away. I'm just so excited about the things that you're excited about. <laughs> like, the things that happen in this book series, I can't wait. I'm so happy that I get to go on this ride with y'all. I'm this... so happy that you're in this position of power. <laughs> yes, I know. It's <laughs> never happened to me before. <laughs> like, yes, little children. Dance as you read this book series. Yes, fall in love with the McDonald's boy. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, he'll be nothing but pimples to you. You'll see. <laughs> a pimple no, face I, with no eyes. It's such a. It's. I'm. I'm very excited. It's very good. I'm also really excited for Mary. Like yes, just like Mary's more Cassie to me. Mary see, is very Cassie, like now. I don't yeah. know what she's going to turn into because I'm afraid she's going to go really weird with all those kids. Yeah. Actually, I think maybe you're right. Maybe maybe after having that I there's there's parts of Astrid that I think are very Cassie and there's parts of Mary that I think are very Cassie. I think Mary may have more Cassie than It depends than though. Astrid. Yeah. It, it really depends because Astrid has a lot of Cassie in the sort of like know-how of many things like she has a lot of knowledge about a lot of things and she did have that like really caring side with her but now that i'm saying this now i'm thinking maybe more rachel now that i'm saying these words out loud maybe kind of slightly rachel was the one that i had a hard time with you like you said maybe adelia was a little more rachel i could see between rachel and tobias yeah but that that didn't sort of stand out to me i'm like although valid i can think of a couple points where where that's a valid very valid comment but like that didn't stand out to me. And and I was like, it's almost like there's not a Rachel in there for me when I read through it. Uh, I didn't think about the fact that Astrid and Mary are sort of my, both my Cassie. What about Astrid being Andalite Axe, though? With all the... Uh, see, I think pedantry. that's a very... Yeah, that could be... I don't know. Like, I... Oh. Like the way she's constantly analyzing... The conversations and stuff. I mean, I could. That I don't know. That just it doesn't feel axe to me. Like I can, no. I totally see logically where. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't feel axe, but it does feel sort of exterior to exterior. Axe. It feels exterior to to like normal human interactions when you're sitting there. Like I thought, every interaction she did was completely normal. Well, that says a lot. That yeah. Yeah, anonymous Astrid over here. Who is who's your favorite character? Uh ooh, not gonna answer that. Okay. Yeah, Casey? I can't I, I can't give you that one. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, I mean I like Adelio a lot. I'm really excited for Albert, and I'm really interested in Mary. 
those are all good choices, especially after 13 those are chapters. Great choices, yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Alex? I think it's Lara, and I have no recollection of what happens to her or what her arc is or anything. I would have a hard time. Is it because she saves the dog? There's just something about her living this completely different, horrific start to this mm-hmm. thing. Like everybody else is having their very rough start. She is living on like the survivor island with only her dog fighting off the vultures yeah. and the large mammals. And like there's something immediately about the survivorness of that that I'm mm-hmm. like, I just love this story. It's fair. But again, I have no recollection of where her arc goes. Like I when it happened, I was like, oh yeah, I vaguely remember this. Did the dog thing? got me did not remember how that turned out at all so like i have zero recollection of this but i'm i'm very excited for her as a character and i'm sure she's gonna turn out horrifically somehow because you can't be a healer and be the good guy i don't know that just doesn't seem compatible that's i as a guy who possibly will be playing playing the groups i'm sorry ghost taking over my body um (laughs) as a guy uh I'll, I'll get these words out at some point. As a guy who's possibly playing the group's cleric tomorrow, I am personally offended by your comment that I cannot be a good person and a healer. I mean, you can be a good person and, like, f- listen, Frangie is God-tier character. She oh. is so beautiful and wonderful, and I love her. I'm saying that eventually you see so much trauma in a world like this one that, like... She's gonna go nuts, right? She's gotta. Oh man, they're gonna like strap her in. Like she's a, she's a resource now. She's not even a human. She's a resource mm, to everybody. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Hey. Hey. Did you write a recap for this book? No. Uh, I just thought this was it. Yeah. What do we I do? Wish like had. recaps on this show or something? <laughs> I am ready to start talking about the things that happen in this book. Do you want me to just like wing it? Yes. All right, cool. No no notes. Let's go. No notes. Let's wing it. 299 hours and 59 minutes. A chapter title that I assume someday will make sense and be important. We meet our cast of characters. Sam Temple, the surfer. Quinn, his buddy, who also surfs and wears weird clothes like army surplus boots and fedoras. Mary Terrafino, who does not believe what she just saw. Adelio, the new kid. And Astrid, the super mega foxy, awesome, hot, blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl that Sam is in love with. And maybe everyone else. I don't know what that means, but okay. All of these kids were in class one moment, and the next they were left with no teachers. The teacher just poofed away into nothingness. And for Astrid, the AP genius, the few other kids that she was studying with also poofed. They head into the hallway, and so do some other kids, and some are laughing wildly, and others are asking nervously, what the fuck is happening? And then there's young children looking terrified. Someone tries to call out, like literally call out, like on the phone. They can't. Phones are dead. Even 911 isn't working, which sends another wave of panic through the school. Astrid, Quinn, and Sam head to the teacher's lounge to see if the TV has anything on it, news or whatnot. They open the door and they see the fridge hanging open with yogurt spilled on the carpet. I just realized, again, more yogurt. They have a yogurt yogurt. spilling thing. More yogurt spilled. (laughs) What is this? Just like book 14. Anyways, uh, so there's yogurt all over the floor. On the carpet, of course, where all of the teachers have just been poofed out of existence. The TV can't pick up any signal. 
And as they leave, they run into some kids on the way to smash the vending machines in because already they've gone Lord of the Flies and some of the students are like, we're on the school, woo! Uh, seeing that the kids have already descent into madness, they decide to go check out their own houses to see what's going on there. But um, they should probably stick together. Things are getting a little dicey. Quinn agrees and Sam looks at the beautiful Astrid, who surprisingly, as she is a genius, does not know what to do. So she's just like, yeah, I, I guess we stick together. Okay. And Sam's like, oh no, I hope this wasn't my fault. That's chapter one. Okay. So I had some comments lined up. I'm going to just scrap those because I want to revisit that one line that you said because I'm super confused by it. Which one? <laughs> everybody in love with Astrid? Is Astrid in love with everybody? <laughs> is Sam in love with everybody? Is Sam in love with that? Like, I'm confused I by your phrasing. What I was trying to say when I wrote this, and I wrote this days ago, okay? So who knows what I was going through at the time? I think I was trying to say that everyone was in love with Astrid because she's so hot. Okay. I think that's what I was trying to say. Is Astrid your cousin? I think if Astrid was Sam's cousin, we would know immediately. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, oh, no. Don't like it. <laughs> I mean, she might only be like one-fifth his cousin via DNA osmosis, but you know. He's my first cousin. God. <laughs> yeah, I, I also like the... Uh... Just how quickly we get into the, the meat of this story. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine, like, two chapters before this where we meet the parents and then yeah. they I love that they're <laughs> yeah. just, like, gone. Yep. 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 <laughs> that is exactly like where we started. the book. <laughs> I kept wanting to do, like, trailers for when we did this. And I wanted There's to- There's still time. Like, I know. I just wanted to, like, post, like, like four second clips of me saying- Gone is coming. Because I was so proud of that as a line. Gone is here. We can do that. These don't come we out should. till February first. We have <laughs> almost a month. Just 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 tag me like next time. Just clip that little bit of audio from me. Just gone is coming. Just put it right at the end of the episode. I think what we should do is take a picture of you. Okay, also, um I have the UK versions of the book. And I was very excited because I think I might have a detail in mind that's like a UK specific detail, but we'll get there. Ooh. I want to do a Tim in the little, the guy in the O pose. And yeah. like, that didn't sound right. And uh, <laughs> go ahead and post that with the clip. <laughs> He's in the so, O and the title gone is what I'm trying to communicate. <laughs> These are mommy special workbooks. Was that... When you interviewed him, when he was talking about how the UK yes. versions have the better covers, and I was like, I have the, and they're also all the the paper is yeah. all colored on the side. So like, there's Ooh. one that's purple, and the side is purple, and there's one that's blue, and the side is blue. What? Spring. Yeah, let me go. I bought like, the box set, so let me go. Let me go grab mine real quick, and we'll yeah. compare. Okay. Gorgeous. I love them. I found them at a bookshop near, like secondhand bookshop near me, and I was like, I don't know what this variant is, but I love it. Okay, so I don't hate the this cover that's pretty good because too. that's what i'm saying it's still like man what's going on here that doesn't really tell me anything about the book and i kind of like that i like your cover a lot better though you bought all nine books um i don't think i have some of the end ones i have all the original series i think i'll end up having to buy 
the like monster villain and hero. Yes, thank you. Because the only word I could think of after that was not the right one. Because Yerk. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Animorphs. Animorphs. <laughs> oh yo yo. But yeah, I'm I'm excited for this. And I like the UK versions are so nice. I just fucking love this matte cover with the glossy Michael Grant. You can see my fucking rat fingerprints all over it. I'm sorry about <laughs> greasy that. human paw my prints. Greasy human paw prints all over this thing. <laughs> oh no. Got those fucking soup hands all over the book. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Would you like to talk about the second chapter of this book? I would. Yes. Okay, great. Uh again, just winging it. 298 hours and 38 minutes. Another timestamp. Quinn, Sam, and Astrid head to Quinn's house first. They pass weird scenes like children who are too young to know their way home wandering the streets like mommy, which is creepy as fuck. And there's no cars like moving. And by that, I mean like driving. There's crashes though, where the drivers are just like poofed. And so like things are crashing at telephone poles and sidewalks and other cars just like steaming and like the engines revving. Uh, and as they get closer to Quinn's house, he breaks into a run and bursts through the front door to nothing. There's no one. He calls for his mom, but there's no answer. He tears through his house, and Sam pretends not to notice as the tears start streaming down his face and his voice is cracking, and he realizes his parents are gone. That's right, gone. <laughs> Once he composes himself some and says, well, we should go to Astrid's house next since she's the closest. And Astrid's like, why the fuck do you know where I live? And... uh Sorry, it was Sam that said that. He's like, yeah, we should go to your house. You're closest. She's like, how the fuck do you know where I live? And, and he's like, everyone knows where you live, Astrid. I probably just saw you. He followed her home one day, guys. Creepy. 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 Creep, uh, creep. Super creep. Anyways, they head towards Astrid's house. And when they arrive, they find the exact same thing. Nothing. No one. Nobody. Nowhere. They're all gone. And Sam feels weird about looking around her cool, very expensive house that has plastic bumpers on the corners of the table and outlet covers. And Astrid's like, it's not for me, guys. It's for little Petey. As if any one of us were ever concerned that it was her that they had baby-proofed the house for. <laughs> Anyways, um, Sam's like, why don't you call out for him? And she's like, ah, he won't respond. He's got autism and he's nonverbal. Well, not nonverbal, but he's non-responsive most of the time. So anyways, they look a little more. They go to the babysitter's house who sometimes watches little Pete and there's no one there. And Sam's like, well, we'll look for him. We'll find him. Don't worry. Across town, Laura is sitting in the passenger side of her grandpa's ride and her dog named Patrick is in the bed of the truck. She is worrying about him jumping out, but her grandpa's like, eh, he'll be fine. He's a dog. So then she switches to complaining about how bored she is. There's nothing to do at the ranch. And he's like, well, why don't you read a book or muck out the stable or go up the hill? None of those appeal to her, especially not up the hill because of coyotes. And Laura's like, well, they should, my parents should just let this go already. I didn't even do anything bad. And if I let that kid buy booze with his fake ID, he may have gotten into trouble. This was the wrong argument to make to her recovering alcoholic grandfather. And he's like, that was stupid, idiot. Right before he poofs out of existence and then the truck that was traveling down the highway runs off the road and into a ditch where it takes down a sapling and starts tumbling and rolling and flipping and Laura's inside getting all smashed around like she's in a washing machine and when it finally stops, she passes out. And when she wakes up, she's in horrific pain. Everything is pain and her eyes are full of her own blood and she looks at her arm, which instead of being straight is crushed into a V and her palm is pointed towards her face and the bone is exposed and then the pain really hits her and she passes the fuck out. 
She comes to one more time in this chapter where there is Patrick there, and he's now whining and jumping around. She extracts herself from the truck and pulls herself away, coming in and out of consciousness as waves of pain hit her. Patrick stays by her side and licks the blood off her face, but she is not okay. Not okay. How the fuck did she get out of her seatbelt? Not a clue. Like, seatbelts are designed to keep you in place when a car runs off the road and starts rolling, right? Yeah. Uh, I gotta assume that she hit the release button on the seatbelt and then fell. Probably. Probably onto her right? broken arm. Yeah. 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 Like, it only made the situation worse. Or she had one of those little, like, you know, the plastic things that, like, the dudes that pull the cars out of lakes are always like, you need one of these. You can smash your window. You can cut your seatbelt. Yes. Yeah. 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 She could have one of those. She could. That's true. Grandpa telling her that she should play with a stick and a hoop because that's what I played with when I was growing up was stick and a hoop. (laughs) 14 generations of this family have played with. Dude, if you offered me run up the hill, read a book, muck out a stall, or run up a hill, I would do any one of those things happily. (laughs) That's just a day for you. I was about to say, that's your Thursday. Like, (laughs) except I don't think there are hills in Wisconsin. They're small ones. Small. <laughs> no one said it had to be like a big yeah. hill. Go run up that tiny hill. There's even coyotes on the hill that I have opportunities to run up sometimes. Coyotes. Coyotes. They're just puppies. Just pet them. Just mm-hmm. little puppies. They didn't do nothing wrong. <laughs> I like Patrick. How did the dog get out of the truck? I imagine he was flung out in the first seconds of things going wrong. <laughs> Whereas she was allegedly wearing a seatbelt, and then she was not wearing a seatbelt and crashing around in the cabin as his car rolled down the hill. And then the yes. dog was just like, hey, what's up? <laughs> hey, I'll yeah, that is, yeah, that that is kind of true. Like, they're talking about Patrick jumping out, and then all of a sudden he's like, <laughs> it's a good I guess thing with I fucking his, did, bitch. He has spider sense. He's like, Shit's about to go bad. Just hops out the back of the truck. Patrick might have superpowers. There's no way to know. There's no way to know. <gasps> what if he does, though? What if he does, though? What hey, if, like, did they say what kind of dog Patrick was, or did I just make it I up? I think he's a lab. That's oh. what I, I had in my head that he was a lab. I made him uh like a cattle dog. I don't know why. So he was a cow? No, he is like and a-, a dog. Yeah, he's half cow, half dog. Half dog. Yes, that's what I that's what I assume when I hear the term cattle dog is that he's we need to come up with a centaur type word for this. Dogtor. Dog dog doctor. Doctor. When you're sick you go to the doctor. <laughs> that's why the apple method doesn't work and you have to keep throwing them at the doctor. <laughs> Why is he a vampire also? I don't like, know. <laughs> oh, I thought you were doing creeps. The, it was the way yeah. that you said it. I am now. It was the way that you said it initially that just like seemed like it was vampire adjacent. I don't know. <laughs> Doctor. Doctor. So, so, Granddad poofs. Bye, Granddad. Bye, Grandpa. Truck drives off side of road. Yeah. yeah. Dog sees truck driving off side of road. Doug is like, I'm out, jumps out of truck, mm-hmm. truck rolls over, uh-huh. 
And Dog was like, I can do that too. Not that impressive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lauren. Lauren or Lara? I'm, I'm getting I think confused. it's Lara. Okay, I just Low listened Ren. to the and Light Chronicles. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. It's not Lauren. Yeah, so, I can tell you that uh, yeah. much. <laughs> um, yeah. So she, she lets herself out of her seatbelt, crashes down, and then is in immense pain. That's what I think. That's my series of events. It's mm-hmm. my recreation for the If It Pleases the Court. Oh, so you're like the forensic scientist here explaining yeah. the blood spatter pattern yeah, to Yeah, it's, it's just really, really blood bad pattern. stick figures drawn on a big piece of paper showing, and then here with an arrow. It's all coming together now. Yeah. A yellow lab. Aw. Be a football way. Is this the doctor? No, this is Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm disappointed in that, too. <laughs> You guys want chapter three? I do. Yes. Um, I will admit I did occasionally forget to write down the timestamp. So they had passed more crash cars and trucks, including a UPS truck that was smoking on the side of the road. Like, because it was on fire. Not, yeah. Not because it was a cool kid in a food court <laughs> on a Wednesday night. Truck looks over at him. I'm on a break. Don't judge me until you've <laughs> been driving for 80 years yourself, kid. <laughs> I've been chugging diesel since before you were a twinkle in your parents' eyes. How about you drive a mile in my Michelins? Oh, you think I have Michelins like I'm one of those UPS (laughs) trucks? These are Sumitomos, you fool. (laughs) What? (laughs) My name's Alex. I work with tires. I was just thinking I have to pick like a mid brand too because like I couldn't pick like the lowest tier brands because like they wouldn't put those on government trucks, right? They, I mean, they might. That would be just asking for a blow. Anyways. <laughs> didn't, didn't say like Tiger Paw. Anyways, um, they pass by some kids that are playing half-heartedly in the front yard throwing a ball and the kids seeing them are like, I have piano lessons. I have dance recitals. I don't know where to go. And Quinn's like, just go to the town square. And they're like, we're not supposed to leave without our parents and our grandma might come get us, but the phones are dead and I just want to play ball and this is really scary. And Quinn's like, go eat a fucking cookie and then ice cream and then go to the town square. And Astrid's like, oh, are you just going to tell me to eat cookies? Do you think that's great advice? And Quinn's like, yeah, what, when has eating a cookie not helped a situation? And, like, I agree. I agree with that. Anyways, they continue on to Sam's house, uh, which he's embarrassed by because it's small and run down and in a terrible neighborhood. And when they get there, he's like, oh, God, I don't want to go in there. My mom's not going to be there. And that's where we find out she's a night nurse at Coates Academy, and her day hadn't even started yet. So she a 1,000% was in this house. They head on in anyways, and he calls out, and there's no noise except the fridge, but there is a pan on the stove that is burned black, and he turns off the burner, and they're like, oh, fuck, this is going to be a problem across town, and Astrid points out, like, you know, there's a lot worse than this. There are going to be houses on fire, and there's going to be children in those fucking houses, so anyway, Sam's like, I'm going to go change my shirt, but what he really does is check on his strange glowing orb that he keeps in his closet. He doesn't want to show the others. But he just goes ahead and passes his hand through it. And he's like, it's warm, but it's not hot. It's fine. And that's when he hears Astrid calling him from the living room. And he quickly hides his cool orb before heading out to see what's going on. His mom had left her laptop open with a journal entry being written. 
It talks about some drama up at the academy where her boss is doing some shady shit to someone else, but it's all encoded like C did to S what F Y to V. And it's all very cryptic. And then he tries to open more journal pages, but it's password protected. And he doesn't even have one singular guess as to what password his mom might use. So they decide to leave. Dear listeners, I am here to tell you that Alex is an unreliable narrator. They should because, know that already. <laughs> should, don't, 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 don't step on my bit. Uh, <laughs> she told you with her human mouth that eating a cookie could never cause a bad situation. Yes. Well, let me tell you that I experienced a bad situation from eating a cookie today. We went and hung out with some of Jenna's friends. And one of Jenna's friends happens to be a fantastic cook and made peanut butter cookies. And these peanut butter cookies were amazing. So much so that I took several and I did eat one for breakfast this morning. I did realize that that was the last peanut butter cookie. So by eating that cookie, I have created a no more peanut butter cookie situation. That is very sad. It's it broke my heart. So I was like, I'm one, not going to work today. Would one say that the situation was not caused by eating the cookie, but having no more and therefore a lack of cookie is the bad situation and not eating the cookie. But there would have been no bad situation had there still been a cookie. So if I had not eaten the cookie, I would still have cookie and I would be happy. That I still uh, had, had you not eaten the cookie, you would not have cookie because you would not have eaten the cookie. And therefore, zero <sighs> cookies would have been had. And I would still have a cookie. In one cookie in the hand is worth two in the bush, Alex. But eventually you will have to eat the cookie. The inevitability of lack of cookie is on the horizon unless you let the cookie decompose and mold. And then that's somehow worse because you didn't get to eat the cookie. You are 100% right. Death does come for us all, Casey. Right. And the only thing worse than death is a life not lived, Tim, so <laughs> eat the cookie. Life lessons from Animorphs Anonymous. Yeah, a short version is, is I need to go get more cookies. The long version is also you need to get more cookies. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think, like, no notes on what these kids are doing. Like, I, too, if everybody just poofed and, like, I tech, technology just went down, I'd be outside, like, throwing balls at shit and, like, raiding stores for Snickers bars and... Dude, Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Except you don't have cops coming after you. No, there's no cops. All right. 297 hours and 40 minutes. They ventured across town and ran into more and more kids gathering at the square. Clearly, everyone was feeling they, like they had to get somewhere, and their homes were no longer feeling quite homey. As they approached the square, they saw smoke rolling up over the buildings nearby. So they headed towards it and saw a bunch of kids just staring. Mouths agape. Eyes agog. I don't know if that only... No, I think agog is an entire expression. Anyways, Sam took a look, and he's like, there's a daycare next door and a nice hardware, and the way the wind is blowing... Oh no, this is going to turn out poorly. So he starts shouting at people, you go get the hoses, you go clear out the daycare. And it was slow going at first, but Adelia was there and he's like, yeah, Sam, I'll follow you. And so he goes to get hoses and that's when they hear the cry from the building. It's this little kid going, mommy, 
And someone in the crowd starts mocking the child and it's Orc and fucking Howard. Like, oh, mommy. <laughs> There's a kid fucking in a fire, you assholes. Anyways, other kids start distancing themselves from Orc and Sam starts giving more directions. Like, you go get the big hoses from the fire station and the oxygen and all that shit. And everyone knew that he was going in. And Sam's like, I'm not going in there. And then Astrid hands him some cloth that was wet and warns him, it's the smoke that kills, not the fire. And he's like, I don't think I should have to go in there. And everybody's like, he's going in there. So anyways, he goes into the building and he's crawling under the smoke. And as much as he could, he's staying in that little oxygen pocket down low. He's heading along this hallway towards the door where he could hear the cries for mommy. And he makes it to the door, but it was locked. And that's also where the fire and smoke is originating from. So he gulps some air, stands up, smashes in the door. It takes three tries before it slams open. And what Sam saw next was a small girl, maybe five, who just looked at him busting through her door. So he must have looked like a giant crazy monster with half of his face covered in crazy hair and fire and smoke. And so the girl raises her arms at Sam. And before he can understand what's happening, he ducks out of the way as fire shoots out of them. The second time she raised her arms, he knew that there was no dodging it, so he reacted. He raises his own arm and fires off this blast of light, and the girl stops moving. He was both glad that she was not shooting fire at him and horrified. He scoops her up and tries to make his way out of the building. There's hands that kind of come through, reach in, grab her, grab him out of the building, and he falls down outside just trying to gulp in air and passes out. And he sees his mom for just a second in this hazy dream state. And he wants to speak to her when he gets a slap across the face. And he's pulled back to reality. And the oxygen mask is over his face. He pushes away and starts throwing up everywhere. And he notes that Astrid politely looks away. When he turns, he sees kids gathering around this little girl that he had just pulled out of this building. And he could see this damage to her head and the pigtails where her hair was. And he knows the answer, but he asks it anyways. And Astrid shakes her head no. So did he did he kill her? He super killed her, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. But, but but in fairness. Oh yeah, he kinda didn't have a choice. Yeah, no, it was a reaction thing, and he yeah, was and gonna was, die. Yeah, it was it was yeah, that like whatever you call self defense that happens without you actively thinking about it self-preservation self-defense oh <laughs> passive what what is your passive self-defense alex <laughs> it's like a it's like a 13 yeah mine has to be like a two and a half at best <laughs> okay but if you really were ranking your passive self-defense like what would it be like ranking it yeah, like if we're making actual like stats for our passive self-defense, which is a stat that does not exist, by the way, so we get to say whatever we want. I bet it'd be like an 11. Like yeah. it'd be something like gross low, I think. Okay. All right. Casey? I feel like that's gross low, right? Like 11 is pretty be... gross low. That's like, yeah. oh, you took the yeah. zero in that stat. Like you have to yeah. actively have negatives to get down, down yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, wait. Self passive self preservation is like what does that constitute? Like okay, like if something comes flying at your head, yeah. your ability to both notice and do something about it without like actively thinking. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a better word. Other than the like word vomit that I just threw in to describe it, that oh. one word reaction probably does a better job. But, like okay, but no, because a reaction is a separate action that you can have this is passive this is you can't know like 
Like this is like your ability to both perceive and react in the moment. Okay. I don't know, because I feel like if like a ball is flying in my head and I manage to dodge it, I will hurt myself in a different way. <laughs> okay, like yeah. I will pull my lower back or that's a that's a different stat block or something. <laughs> so I will I feel like Alex's would be like a seventeen or an eighteen. Well, you Alex have will- tried to hunt me before, so I have I've literally tried to wet Willie you in an escape room and was incapable of doing it. And the so Pokeballs I, too, where I wouldn't the, even walk the into the room. Yeah. I could sense the vibes were bad. <laughs> <laughs> I drilled Austin in the face with that Pokeball too. His is low. His is low as Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've seen that. Like he's also tried to like Austin playfully one time tried to like drop a bag and like put his like fists up like he was gonna fight me and the speed with which i reacted he literally went whoa and like back the (laughs) fuck off (laughs) was not having it (laughs) so so casey what you're saying is that yours would probably be high but you would have other stats that negate that ability you have like a a condition you'd have a a condition that yeah you'd have a, a low lower back stat your spine stat sucks. <laughs> That's interesting, though. To think, like we've created this one stat called passive, whatever self-defense. I forgot. Passive self defense, uh, and now we've created another stat that is like self harm created by <laughs> your passive self defense. Which is also something, like, if I was able to pull off dodging a Pokeball flying at my head, I would find a way to ram my face into a pipe that's just for no reason sitting next to wherever we are. So. Yeah, but, like, I will, I've done that before, like, genuinely hurt myself terribly dodging something that would have been much less bad. (laughs) But the sense of accomplishment you feel for avoiding the, (laughs) the intended harm is worth the pain. So, like, this chapter was actually kind of sad. I know we're yes. making these goofs, but, like, it, it wasn't just, a fun chapter. We don't want to face how horrible it was. Yeah. 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 And we're still so early in the book. Right. Michael Grant. He he went on Michael Grant really early. He did. He did. And then... He went full Michael Grant in this book series. Yeah. He did go actually, full Michael Grant. No, that's not true. I'm not sure he did go full Michael Grant in the first 13 chapters of this book series because I've read Messenger of Fear. I've seen what happens when he goes full Michael Grant. So it's like what percentage of Michael Grant are we at right now? I mean, after this chapter, I'd say about 80, 85. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty good. I feel like Messenger of Fear is actually like ramped up to like 110. So where does Berserker fall? Because I know, I feel like you and Jeff were talking about some really fucked up shit in Berserker. It is. Yeah, there's some, there's some pretty twisted stuff. And like, conceptually, there's some pretty messed up stuff that happens in that book series. It turns out it's hard to quantify the ability of Michael Grant to attack me through his writings. Does it move laterally? Like, yeah, like be- there's a fucked up thing, <laughs> and instead of getting more fucked up, it's just fucked up in a different way. 
So Quinn tries to buy a soda and a like candy bar. I think he gets a payday because all the good ones are gone. And he leaves $2 on the counter, which is taken within seconds of it being there. He, Sam, and Astrid all sit down outside, and they see that the little girl has been covered with a sheet, which Sam was thankful for. All sorts of people keep coming up to Sam and being like, what do we do? And after the first like little, little kid's like, where's me, mom? And Sam kind of blows him off. Astrid's like, hey, you know everyone's like looking up to you and like wants to know what to do, right? And Sam's like, why? Why me? Why? Why is everyone looking at me? And Astrid's like, well, like you did the bus thing, you know, when the guy had the heart attack on the bus and you steered off the road and saved the driver. And then you did just run into a burning building and like, you know, get this kid out of it. And he like stands up, like shoots up out of agitation and all of these people turn to look at him and he's like, fuck, they really are listening to me. This is a fate worse than death. And so he's just, he just starts telling them like, just be brave. Hold on. Help will be here soon. Like they know we're in trouble. There's going to be people here soon. It'll be fine. And everybody like calms down and starts passing along this message. And Astrid then brings up little Pete again and like, hey, has anyone seen my brother? And uh, Sam's like, well, where where would he be, though, Astrid? Like, where, if you had to think, and she's like, I don't know, like, tennis club with my mom, the, like, fucking radioactive plant with my dad, and they are like, let's try the club first. The club sounds better. So Quinn and Sam agree, and they all start heading that way. As they're on this journey, they pass by Orc and Howard, and Howard stops them and starts harassing them about where they're going, and he's like, well, you better bring back some of whatever you're getting to Orc, otherwise he'll be sad. And he doesn't seem very sad as he's man-spreading in his chair and grunting with his weird eyes. And then they start mocking Sam like, oh, Sam, he's a hero. Sam, Sam, the surfer man. So you can see like the sort of caliber of bully we're dealing with here. So they go to walk away and he stops him. He's like, uh-uh, don't cross the street until the light turns green. And Sam is literally like, he hesitates for a second to be like, are we really going to have this fucking fight right now? Or are we going to save this shit? But the moment passes because the light turns green. And they're allowed to continue on. Power dynamics already. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is kind of interesting. Because we're like three or four hours into this thing. Like, and it is completely just fallen off the rails. Absolutely. These kids took zero time to just absolutely descend into chaos. Yeah. They're living their full Lord of the Flies fantasy. <laughs> absolutely. So there used to be uh, audiobooks.com where people would, would, you know, you could find free books that people had written and they'd podcast them. Uh, It's called something else now and I don't know what it is or else I'd tell you what it is. But there was a book on there called Broken Escalator that is absolutely ridiculous. Like, it's just a ridiculous story. But I love the story so much. And and it, it, it gives me Broken Escalator vibes. Like, was it fact, like everybody descending into madness on a broken escalator because they couldn't get off the escalator because it was broken? It's very close. They're at the mall and they can't get down because the escalator's broken. Ah, yes. A common problem. Yes. Uh, you can uh, just uh, walk down it? it no, everybody... Casey. You cannot. That's against the rules. <laughs> Let me tell you, I enjoyed this story so much. And in fact, like that that should be your, your Animorphs Anonymous homework is to go listen to Broken Escalator and tell me what you think of it. Because I love it. So it's a short, short, like, story. I will probably love it too much. I do. I do. I loved it so much. I'm sure it was written by some, you know, 
kid before he went to college or something like but it i adore it so much and y'all have to come back next time and tell me what you think of it what if but you has... find out that like it was written by neil gaiman and you just said it's written <laughs> by some kid he'll be fine I'm sure he's learned to deal with dumb people saying stuff about his writing by now. <laughs> That's true. To his yeah. face, usually. <laughs> Scribble.com? Scribble might be what it's called now. That might I knew it changed to something, but I didn't know what it was. But I used to find books on patio books all the time. But this one is the same thing. Like, quick descent into madness. West Edmonton Mall. I, I'm in. <laughs> Yeah, but fuck Howard. Ugh. Yeah, Howard's the worst. Yeah. I just, I, God. You know he's going to have an arc, though, because he has a normal fucking name, unlike Cookie. Yeah. An orc. <laughs> the, uh, the, the only person worse than the bully is the little guy who sides with the bully. Yeah. yeah. Ugh, such a terrible character. Maybe he'll die horribly. Maybe. Yeah. There's no way to know, unless you're There's him. No- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no way to know. Another chapter, please, sir. I'd like some more. (laughs) Okay. Quinn, Sam, Astrid walked on and everything was weird and darker than it should have been, in part because only kids 14 and under were still here, but as they listened, they heard that the ocean sounded weird as well. It sounded flat and glassy and stupid. And Astrid looked at the sky and found that stars were strange and not where they should be. And then as they were walking, a dog went nuts barking at them out of nowhere. And they're like, oh, no, who's going to feed the dogs? And Sam's like, how many babies are home alone? And then uh, that was too much. So they just stopped thinking about that and kept walking. They made it to the hotel and they find this car idling with the trunk open and the bags half unloaded. The automatic doors slide open to admit them, but there is no one in there. They go to the tennis courts and find something strange, a wall slicing the court in half. It was not like a brick wall or anything like that but sort of a milky barrier that cut right through the center of the court quinn picks up a tennis ball and starts bouncing it off the barrier and it bounced back just like a real wall he did it again nothing happened to the ball so sam walks up and touches it and it burns and when he pulls his hand away he expects to see all sorts of horrific blistering and red marks and there was not but he also didn't want to do it again so astrid goes to observe his hand and touches it. And that's a different kind of shock, but one that he liked. Cut to Albert walking into the McDonald's that was lit up and the alarms were blaring. The fry alarm was beeping. The fire alarms are going. And he nervously goes behind the counter because he doesn't think he should be here and starts heading to the back where he pulls the fries out of the fryer that were about 10 hours overdone. And he jokes to himself, that's probably cooked long enough. And then it takes him but a moment to find the button to turn off the fry alarm. That's when he starts working on the fire alarm. They were over the stovetop where there were three black discs. Hamburgers also extremely overdone to the point where they weren't even smoking anymore. That's how overcooked they were. He takes a moment to figure out how to get up to the alarms without stepping on the cooktop, but he figures it out and he quiets them down. And once it was quiet in there, he goes into the freezer and starts taking inventory of everything that was in there. Already starting to think of them not as just inventory, but the sandwiches that he would make. When he comes out, there's two seventh graders standing looking at the menu board like they're going to order. So with a deep breath, he goes, what would you like? And starts figuring out the POS system because he's used to being self-sufficient. Live in your fry cook dream, SpongeBob. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. I like I love that. He was just like, it's my McDonald's now. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, like all these these other children are just causing this chaos and, you know, are like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And this one guy's like, I'm going to do this. This is my thing. I love that so much. Yeah. I'd just go start running in an escape room. You just pick one that you like. Yeah. This is mine now. I'd be like, I don't know the codes to anything, but we'll work it out. That's why there's puzzles. Yeah, Yeah. you can figure it out. Yeah. So this is actually like a good move, though. Like, if you're now in this, like, anarchy and you want to, like, set up shop somewhere, it's like, go to the fucking McDonald's. Like, you have, like, a little resource. You have a little kingdom. You control the food. See, well... Like, yes, but there's, like, another level to it that I hadn't thought about, right? Because I was thinking, like, this guy would go and he'd, like, control the restaurant, just like you said, Casey. But then I'm like, well, what happens when a bigger kid's, like, nah, and just, like, pushes you and then they control the food? But then they never will because those are frozen meats. Yeah. And they will never learn how to, yeah, he's the only one that will learn how to prepare them. So you're right. He's, like, in charge. Also, He's making the burn. Just a matter of time before he finds the button that he hits under the counter that that opens the compartment where the gun is. <laughs> oh, that went a completely different way. <laughs> I thought you meant to the York pool. The mc- oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's gonna come in and ask for an, a happy meal with extra happy. Oh no! Shoot him on site. <laughs> just, just shoot him. That's what the real thing was that he was walking into in the back. He goes through the the freezer into the Gleet biofilter. <laughs> <laughs> Where did Albert go? He was destroyed. <laughs> On a molecular level. Just... Yeah. <laughs> oh, he poofed with the adults. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. He poofed without the adults. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we need is the gone Animorphs crossover event. What would happen if it's only 14 or 15 year old Yerks? Oh, my God. Can you imagine... And I don't mean the 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 kid controllers. I mean the kid yerks. Yeah, the yerks are the children that are taken. Yes. So like you'd even have adults walking around, but they'd be controlled by baby yerks. Baby yerks. Aww. Yerks just like I can feed my host body whatever I want. I'm gonna have <laughs> Snickers. <laughs> I'm gonna eat thirty two Big Macs. You can't stop me. <laughs> Albert goes, Albert Yerk goes and just opens a Cinnabon. See, that's, the Yerks would win then. Those that control the Cinnabon (laughs) control the battlefield. Is that your Gamjabar? (laughs) The Cinnabon must flow. It's gonna be. (laughs) It's gonna be me. That Gamjabar joke is undefeated. It's so good every time. <laughs> I hadn't heard it in a while. <laughs> I like that it's coming back around. <laughs> so, 289 hours and 45 minutes. Lara laid out in the desert as night fell, her dog Patrick running around her, keeping the vultures at bay and then returning to her. She alternated between getting mad at her mom and feeling the horrible pain that was existence. She passed out and came to again later. She was delirious and wished she had water. And she thought about the ranch and how she could get water from there, but it was nowhere near her, and even if she was healthy, she wouldn't be able to get there, really. And certainly not with his crazy-ass broken arm. 
Patrick started growling at something, and she saw disembodied green eyes floating nearby. Then a mountain lion let out a roar, and Patrick scooted away, but then got his bravery back and turned and started fighting for Lara. She heard noises and a brutal fight and scraping and whining and barking and growling and all sorts of horrific things, and then her dog came limping back towards her. And when she touched his neck, it was slick with blood. She felt around and found the spot. There was a hole in his neck where with every beat of his heart, blood pumped out. He laid down next to her and she pushed her hand onto his neck, trying to hold the life in him. But at some point, she fell asleep and her hand slipped away. Across town, Astrid was figuring out how to make a master key and open all the hotel rooms that they could access. They searched for little Pete, but he was nowhere to be found here. Finally, they came to a room with plush beds and candy and sodas, and they're like, fuck it, this is where we're living. Quinn flops down onto a bed and was asleep almost instantaneously. Meanwhile, Astrid and Sam went out onto the balcony and shared a Toblerone bar. Astrid told Sam that she was there that day on the bus, where he pulled off the highway and saved the driver. She's like, you were a real hero, and then you just kind of faded out of existence. And Sam's like, I didn't fade out of existence this is so rude and then astra just starts plowing on like you know you're just one of those people that like you know you just go and you live your life and then you just rise to the occasion and you become a hero and then you just go back to living normally and sam's like i like living normally i don't want to have to be a hero and astrid's like yeah well i don't think you have an option this time and sam's like well just don't expect anything from me and astrid's like sure but she said sure not in a way that made him think she meant it it's pretty rude though pretty rude like guy saves bus driver saves bus full of children uh and then the next day they're all like do it again and he's like i there's there's nobody having a heart attack on the bus right now and they're like "Mm." it's like you're fading away it's like you don't even matter anymore dude yeah it's a commentary on social media presence (laughs) You gotta keep posting content or people are gonna forget about you. This book is so it's far the red ahead of queen its time. Theory. It's the Red Queen Theory in evolution. What is the Red Queen Theory? So in Alice in Wonderland, the Red Queen, there's this whole section in uh, the Behind Looking Glass or whatever where the Red Queen is running and everybody else has to run to keep up with her. You never get ahead You never go further. You just run to stay at the same place where you are. And so that's a theory they use in evolution a lot where everything is evolving and everything's advancing, but nothing's ever getting ahead because they're all just trying to keep up with the demands that they are met with at this point in time. Or it could be a social media post where you you have to keep up and keep doing that stuff just to stay relevant with where you are. It's deep. You know? Yep. You know? No, now I'm worried. I'm worried that I'm not evolving fast enough. None of us are. We're obsolete. The moment we're born, we're obsolete. We're nothing but a sort of cesspool of genes to launch the future forward. Which is good, because if we're just cesspool of genes, we have time for podcasting, so. (laughs) (laughs) Cesspod. The cesspod? The cesspod. Is that something? Cesspod. I love it. That feels like a Star Wars podcast. You're... York pod, York, York pool, York pod. New, New York canoe pod. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was like. As soon as I said that, I was like, York pod, York you. Ghost taking over your body? <laughs> so that was, I, I, I haven't explained that to people. That was, uh, that was what Alex said. Alex was threatening 
to to take over my body after she died. I don't even remember the context. It happened so often, there's no telling what it was this time. But instead of saying that she would possess me like, you know, a human would, she said that if I did something, she would come back and ghost take over my body. Which is now what I've decided we're going to, we're going to ask people when they say the wrong thing or they get like tongue tied or something. We're going to be like, hey, ghost take over your body. So that's where that came from. An Alex threat. In the Alex way of threatening. I don't even, I truly don't remember why I was going to ghost take over your body. I don't know. It's not the first time you threatened that, though. I'm sure it's not. No. <laughs> I like <laughs> I like how you describe it as ghosts take over your body when you could just say possessed. That's what I, that was my yep. immediate response was like anybody else on the planet possessed. Alex, I'm on ghost take over your body. Because like possessed is like, it's a demon. It's like a cool, fun thing. No. I'm inhabiting your body. <laughs> a cool, fun thing, like a demon. We need to watch the movie Exorcist. Okay, you guys want to talk about Mary? Yeah. There's something about her, I heard. Whew, okay. 287 hours and 27 minutes. Mary was taking care of so many children, like 28 fucking children. And these kids, there were kids that got so overwhelmed that they just stopped by and dropped their siblings off. And they're like, okay, see ya. Uh, So Mary had just been changing diapers and making formula and giving hugs and kisses and anything else that she could do for these little kids. They were almost out of diapers because the nursery did like a one day supply. They were not equipped for overnight. And uh, she'd have to make a run soon. Her younger brother, John, and a responsible 10 year old named Eloise, which... They said, like, the book, and I, I don't know what book they're talking about. <laughs> I assume it's, like, Little Women or something. I don't know. Anyways, uh, Eloise, were all, they were helping her. Um, but, you know, she was the oldest, so she's in charge. She saw John's head kind of dropping and him starting to nod off when another kid piped up that she had to pee. So Mary went over to little Cassie and helped her to the bathroom and wiped her butt. And Cassie's like, that's what my mommy does. And Mary's like, I know, sweetheart. And Cassie's like, that's what my mommy calls me. And then Cassie just starts asking all the regular questions like, when will my mommy be here? When can I go home? When will I see her? And Mary's like, you're, you're going to go back to bed now, okay? Then she's like, hey, John, can you watch these kids for like a little bit longer? Because I got to go find some supplies. He agrees. And so she runs out into the streets and she runs into Howard. Ugh. And she's like, where's Sam? And he's like, oh, off being a big damn hero. It's evolved into this extremely frustrating conversation where Mary's like, I need this information. And Howard's like, oh, what if he's stupid Sam? Big fucking Sam. You just everybody wants Sam, huh? And she's like, no, I just literally need anyone who's in fucking charge here. So then she's like, okay, get Orc. And Howard's like, get Orc? What? Like he's going to talk to like some bitch like you? And Mary, who is bigger and taller, leans in and is like, the fuck did you just say to me? And uh, basically threatened him. And it worked. He gave in to her demands. And she's like, okay, get me two babysitters and supplies. And Howard starts going off. And he's like, okay, but just remember who helped you in your real time of need. I hate him. Fucking hate him so he much. Sucks. He's the worst. The absolute worst. Also, my notes, I switched to writing Harold halfway through, so... It doesn't matter. He's garbage. Call yeah. him whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> no, I fixed it. I fixed it in post post talk. <laughs> I fixed it in post. I fixed it post. Do we think he's gonna die though? 
I hope so. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Maybe. Because it's either like redemption arc or dead. I feel like. Are those mm. <laughs> those are the only two options? Those are the those two are genders. The two. Yeah. <laughs> Get better or die. <laughs> Sometimes it's a little scary being Casey's friend. <laughs> but she always pushes me to do better. <laughs> so far. I won't do art in front of her. You already have. Yeah, in another state. <laughs> There's a Where good you think you're us. safe in another state? Yeah. <laughs> Casey's going to get to like Shia LaBeouf levels of like, you're walking Dude, in the woods. It's my favorite thing in the world because she's such a delightful human to just see how many people I can convince that she's just an absolute terror. She's following you about 60 feet back. <laughs> she's following oh. There's only one set of footprints. Because she's carrying you and you didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> but now that you've seen the footprints, you look down and there you are, swept up in her arms. <laughs> it's, how, it's how Casey hides her numbers. I can't. Bumper sticker on my car says, Cakey is my co-pilot. <laughs> But the seat is empty. But look at the footprints. <laughs> but look at the footprints. What an unhinged response to almost anything. <laughs> uh, I can be your angle or your demon. <laughs> D-A-E-M-O-N. Okay, you guys want to talk more about hotels and shit? Yeah. Yeah. Also, Eloise lived in a hotel. That's the book. What? Wait, it's called Eloise Lived in a Hotel? It's 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 like a series. It's called Eloise. She lived in a hotel. I think she had a dog. What? No, that's a little orphan Annie. Shit. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I never read it. I read Madeline. Anyway, tell me about hotels. Who the fuck is Madeline? The the girl the, who wore yellow and she's and, the one she's the one that dances on the TikToks. Right? Madeline? What? What? Is that not who that is? The I have no idea. What? Madeline? Is that, am I wrong? Hang on. Alex, you're French. You should know who Madeline is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Canada. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Stop the podcast. She had the little, like, yellow hat. This, this bitch. Oh, I do know Madeline. Yeah. Okay, yeah, with her beret. Yeah. yeah and it blew away. Yeah. And that was her whole personality. She lived in That was it. Is that not the girl that dances in the TikToks? I could I not tell think you. So? I couldn't Isn't tell you if he held girl? a gun to my head. <laughs> Isn't the TikToks the little like pink anime girl? I I don't know now. Hatsune Miku. So is Eloise another series or is Eloise from like pretty women or whatever? Not pretty women. What am I, what's the one I'm thinking of? It's the a one children's that- book. The one that series. Hermione Granger was in when they made the TV adaptation of it. Ghost took over my body. <laughs> the, this bitch. I no, I don't know that what one. This is a hotel, and they made a movie. They made a movie. Apparently, what is she got, doing? She's got a pug. She does have a dog. I was right. I mean, you've been right about all of it. It's just I don't know what's going on. There's no way to know. It's like you can explain all you want about Godzilla, but until you're in Florida, you just don't really understand the scope of it. 
All right, let's talk Please. about Sam. <laughs> okay, yes, Sam. tell me about the hotel. <laughs> Sam woke up the next morning with his clothes on on the couch in the lobby of the hotel because he remembered that Quinn snored and he's like, I'm not fucking sleeping in the room with him. And Astrid was there and Quinn joined soon after, but their conversation about the barrier that surrounded them and how Astrid thinks it's actually like a sort of lens is interrupted by engine noise. They've run towards it to find Adelio with a backhoe digging at the barrier. Sam jumped up and scared the crap out of him, but he smiled and they continued digging at it. Then they get down like five feet or so and the barrier just keeps going through the ground. Like it's like they were totally cut off and surrounded. And in fact, they assume that they are at this point because no one has come here to find them. And this barrier is going like several feet under the ground. Um, So they went on like this for a while with no headway. And then Astrid's like, hey, this is stupid. Everybody on the outside knows we're cut off and they're going to have much better tools and like adults and machinery to deal with it. So like, let's not continue this. And instead, they decide to go look for little Pete. During this conversation, Quinn gets a little weirdly racist towards Adelio, who actually seems like a pretty great dude. And Sam is shocked at that behavior, but chalks it up to stress. They decide to continue on together, mostly because Astrid hates the posturing and is like, hey, Adelio, come with us. And Adelio finds golf carts for them to use. So they get in these golf carts and head out towards the highway, only stopping to find a mutant seagull with cool talons. And then they drive weirdly slowly down the highway past car wrecks and semis that are overturned and crashed cars. And it's all very eerie and creepy. They decide to turn around and go the other way every time trying to avoid the city center because they don't want people to ask them what to do. But as they pass by a gas station, they see that this has been occupied. There's trash blowing around. And then a kid named Cookie steps out with a mallet and is like, stop, this is our barrier. And Quinn's like, no time to catch up, dude. Cool. What's up? And then drives past him. And uh, then Howard and more of Orc's goons run out and try to stop them. They keep driving these golf carts, which are not very fast, and they start getting chased. Howard catches up to them, and Cookie swings the mallet, catching the black bar of the golf cart, smashing the head of it off and almost hitting Quinn. Quinn calls him a jerkwad and keeps going. Orc is nowhere near going to catch up to them, but, you know, everybody else is trying. Howard keeps up for quite a while, but then they're like, you're like a dog chasing a car, man. What are you going to do? And so he stops chasing them. And they keep going on somberly until a Hummer is driving towards them with 14-year-olds behind the wheel. I hate them. Yep. Yeah, they're horrible. Fucking power trip little shit. I bet I bet he's going to be like, he hates Sam so much because, like, he's always felt inferior to Sam. And now this is his chance to feel like a big man. Yeah. There's no adults yeah. to tell him no. It is weird to me that everybody, like, picks on Sam because he literally doesn't do anything. Like, he doesn't react or anything, really. Yet. Yet. All right, you guys want to know what happened when they almost got hit by a Hummer? I do. Yes. Okay. 274 hours and 27 minutes. The Hummer pulls up behind them and it starts getting closer and closer until they were sure it was going to run them over. Quinn bailed and the doors open and some of Orc's kids piled out after him. Sam yells, pull over, and he and Adelio run to join the fight. Quinn did not stand a chance. He tried to jump into the ditch and run, but he stumbled, and the kids were on him in no time, and there's a brutal fight that leaves them in rough shape. A lot of punching and hitting with bats and mallets and sticks and shit. And when Orc finally climbs down from this Hummer and lumbers over there, he takes down Adelia with a bat to the back of the knees, just drops him like a sack of potatoes. It's Astrid that jumps in and tells everybody, stop, we're not looking for a fight. And Orc is like, ha, 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 of course you're not looking for a fight because I am big and no one wants to fight me. 
And Astrid's like, we just need to go find my brother Pete. And Orc and those assholes start mocking her little brother using a lot of slurs. You know, the huge. The conversation does what it should, though, in ending the desire to physically fight. And Orc and his crew are gloating that everyone's looking for Sam. But you know who stepped up? It was Orc. He took care of the babies. He took care of the rioting and the looting. And it wasn't Sam, even though everybody was asking for Sam. And you know what? They named this place, too. They call it the Phase, the Fallout Alley Youth Zone. They go on and on and on and on and on. Cut to Lara, who wakes up again with the looming shape of vultures over her. Her tongue is thick in her mouth, and she thinks her dog is for sure a goner. In fact, he is gone. Like, gone, gone, physically. Then she hears a bark, and the vultures take off. Patrick, he's still alive! She feels his neck where the wound was, and the hole is gone, and the blood is still matting his fur, but the wound is not there anymore. Impossibly. Her curiosity is overcome by pain as she jostles her own arm and sees it now swollen and black and it smells like death. And she's like, oh, great. It's got gangrene. I love this for me. So she starts thinking and hoping that whatever she was able to do with Patrick can happen to her arm and she passes the fuck back out. When she wakes up from her fitful sleep, she's had visions of people shooting fire out of their hands and giant rock golems. And she looks down and she sees that her arm is straight and healed and there is no sign of gangrene. Ba ba bomb. It was called Matilda. Oh. oh. Yeah, Matilda was the one with the dancing TikTok. The Hun. Matilda the Hun. <laughs> Why is that not my Twitter name? <laughs> I don't know. I I like Meteorica Charlotte. I'm gonna I'm gonna let somebody else have Matilda the Hunt. Matilda the Hunt is really good though. Matilda the Hunt's pretty good. Um g- really glad the dog made it. Yeah. Yeah. Really intrigued by the whole Laura story. What did she do? What happened? How did this get fixed? And I don't know. uh Orc I don't sucks. Anything about her. Orc and his people are trash. They are. I hope Mary kicks their asses. All right, you guys want to keep going? Yeah. 273 hours and 39 minutes. They continue on, on foot for a while towards the power plant. They find bikes on the way and they steal those, even though Astrid feels bad about it. They eventually find two more and they all ride on towards this power plant on their own bikes, where the boys play rock, paper, scissors to decide who's going to climb the razor wire fence. Sam loses and he goes over, losing his shirt as he wraps it around the worst of the wire and he only nicks himself a little bit as he climbs in. He gets to the cold control booth and regrets losing his shirt, but he is able to find a military-looking shirt and a key card that he swipes to let everybody in. Uh, He also finds really big semi-automatic weapons, and that gives him pause for just a moment, but he closes the door and thinks, it's not that bad yet. And he lets his friends, who are only slightly suspicious of how long he took, in. Then they all start searching the power plant, the one that years ago a meteorite hit and skipped on somehow and crashed through the dome in a wild one in a million chance and they rebuilt it thinking there's no way it'll happen again, right? Which is just the most fucking foreshadowing thing I've ever seen in my goddamn <laughs> life. But whatever. Anyways, they continue to search and they find in the control room, little Pete. He's playing Pokemon on a muted Game Boy and he is blonde like his sister and when she sees him, she has this moment of disappointment on her face. And then she just arranges the smile and goes to talk to him, asking him if he's hungry, her hands covering his peripheral vision and some of his ears. He finally is able to focus on her and nod. She goes to leave and he makes a noise. And that means that he doesn't want Astrid to go. And Astrid doesn't like to leave him when he connects with people. So Quinn offers to go. 
While they're waiting, they look around at this room and they look at the readouts and Adelia goes, yep, this all looks good. And everyone's like, how do you know? How Can you read that? And he's like, no, it's green. I assume green means good. Um, sure, okay. The one thing that does give them pause though is there's a nuclear fallout map of the projected where the radiation and nuclear fallout would go if it had blown up. And there's a perfect bullseye over the town now. And Astra goes, well, normally you'd see like all the wind and the air pressure and all that stuff, but it must be because the satellites are down in this dome. Like, you know, it must be that. It's got to be that. And she just explains it away. But then as Astrid is like working with Pete, Sam is staring at her and she looks up and makes eye contact and then looks away quickly. She's lying. Oh my God. She's a liar. She's a fucking liar. What is she hiding? What is she hiding? Tim. I was thinking about the phase thing. And I was thinking about what a good name for the place it is. Like in terms of like metaphor for the book. Like all these kids going through the phase. Like I was like, that's so good. And then Howard says that. And I got so mad at him when he said it. I was like, don't, don't, don't ruin the metaphor by saying it out loud. Like, just let it be. Just let it be there, Howard. Fuck off, Howard. Yeah. Howard ruins everything. Yeah. Also, if if I was in the same spot where Sam was, I would be the absolute world's worst hoarder. Like, I was thinking about the razor wire and I'm like, why didn't he have bolt cutters? Well, it's because he didn't take any bolt cutters. Well, you can imagine that the first thing that I would do is grab bolt cutters and literally everything else that I could carry to a point where it doesn't make sense. (laughs) I would be basically, I would find myself a truck and I would fill it with everything from Home Depot. I would basically be driving a Home Depot. You know what you would definitely have? A black light? Maybe. I was going to say chalk. Uh, Oh, no. 100% I would have chalk. 100% 100% I would have chalk. I've taken chalk on every D&D campaign I have ever played. I've never once used it. <laughs> but I've taken it every time because it always seems like this will be useful. It's not. Never well, has been. Someday. One time it's going to be useful. Yep. I hope it's tomorrow. Right. I hope it saves the entire party from whatever it is that Austin has planned for us. I hope so too. I believe in Carlton. <gasps> If we have to fight a giant chicken, we can make a chalk line so we can hypnotize it. (gasps) Yeah. There was one time when I went to a movie with like a group of friends and my friend Kayla was there. And my friend Kayla had been making fun of me for the entire night. So much so that I took a handful of popcorn salt when we were at the popcorn topping station. And then when we sat down in the movie theater, I did put that line of salt across the handrail the 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 armrest in between us and i said there now you can't fuck with me anymore turns out i was wrong she continued and in fact i think it made it worse (laughs) but you proved she wasn't a slug or a fairy yeah those are two good things to rule out yeah you can cross those off the long list (laughs) fairy slugs this is what we need I can picture it right now. It's a Pokemon. Yep. It's the Casey. What's the Shellio? What's the Pokemon? Sheldos? Shellios? The little slug that's pink. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Shellos, I think. Shellos. 
That's cute. Fairy slug. It's a slug. The fairy slug GLaDOS. I'm going to do that to people now. Put a salt line down and be like, now you can't fuck with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You ain't. When we're in North Carolina, I'm going to circle you. And you just won't be able to leave. You'll just live I'm there. I'm going to yell, this is assault so loudly. <laughs> I'm just going to carry salt packets with me. I'll line up salt packets. I'll be like, it works the same. It's an unbroken barrier. <laughs> They're reusable. I don't think it's unbroken. I'm just thinking of the... I'm just thinking of the janitorial staff. What if you get a hula hoop and fill it with salt? Mm. And you just swoop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Yeah. And then you it's can also be... bring a stick, and then if you're bored, you can have a stick and a hoop to play with. <laughs> play with sticking a hoop for hundreds of years <laughs> go up that hill everyone loves that hill so that's that's how the the story ends this dramatic two-hour movie of me fighting alex and then it ends with me playing stick in a hoop and alex coming over like i want to play stick in a hoop and then i throw the hula hoop around her and it turns out it was full of salt the entire time you're trapped and then after I get trapped and I assume melt into a puddle of goo or something like that, then you just pick up the hoop and it's just you hooping away into the sunset. When you melt, I literally look at you and I'm like, hmm, was a slug after all? This whole time I thought a fairy. Wow. Who knew? You hula hoop into the sunset. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. You guys, are you ready? Are you I ready? Think we could we could probably make a bunch of money selling that pre prefab salt circles. What is a hula hoop but a prefab salt circle? That's what I'm saying. We just fill that thing with salt and sell it for like $150 on Etsy. I'm I don't in. know how much salt goes for. <laughs> I assume it's less than that. You can buy a whole tub of it for like $5. When's the I last assume. time you priced salt? Uh regular salt or Himalayan salt blocks? Exactly. <laughs> you and your bougie salt. It's for pony. <laughs> what if we just started dropping Himalayan salt lamps around somebody? <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> your vibes are shitty and I don't want you to leave. <laughs> All right, everybody, plug them in. <laughs> I want the sort of micro salts that come out with the light to really <laughs> penetrate their human domicile i don't know it's your scoop it's your human scoop your human scoop what do you guys call it <laughs> what do you call that again what do you call it on this planet i, I forget what do you, what forget do you what call the... it it's like a. it's like a scoop it's like a place it's like a. have you ever put your stuff in a single place and then slept there what is the term for that i think it's a youth hostel I think that's what you're looking for. It feels hostile. really hostile. <laughs> All right. I'm I'm diving in. I'm diving into this next chapter. 272 hours, 47 minutes. They decide to spend the night in the power plant because little Pete couldn't ride the handlebars of the bike. And they're like, we're not going to walk miles and miles. He, it's already 4 p.m. It'll be dark. Uh, plus, they have candy bars here. So that's pretty sweet. 
So they set up shop in the control room and find some gurneys in the infirmary that they rolled in by rolling, and I mean surfing like teen idiots, into the room. Astrid and Pete share the couch. Adilio, who is still banged up, got the cushions to sleep on. And Sam thought about the last time he and Quinn went surfing. He thought about how his mom had come there, even though normally she couldn't because of her work schedule, and he could picture her now at the top of the beach in her wraparound and her light hair blowing in the breeze. He called for her, but she didn't respond. His memory had turned into a dream at some point, but this woke him up, and he saw everybody around him quietly sleeping and gently snoring. He got up and starts creeping around to the desk, where he found an iPod, and while he didn't trust the musical taste, he wanted just anything to try and listen to. He was just noticing the different things on the desk when a rat ran under his feet, and he startled, crashing the golf trophy down. Little Pete shoots up, and Sam went to say, it was all right, it was just a noise, but Pete started to wail, and suddenly he couldn't breathe. He was choking. Astrid starts to comfort little Pete and is like, it's okay. It was just a noise. You're fine. And Adelio and Quinn are like, oh, what happened? What's wrong? Astrid's like, oh, nothing. You know, little Pete just got startled by the noise. But Sam can't say anything because he can't breathe. His throat is constricting. And he was about to get to the point of death. They notice Sam then and start to freak out like, what's wrong? What's wrong? He's choking. And that's right about when he starts to pass out and a bright white light envelops the place. And then he comes to a second later. He was up again, and they're like, dude, are you okay? What the hell is that? What's happening? He couldn't really talk, but Adelio's like, this place is haunted as shit. Let's leave. And Sam points to the door, and they head out. I mean, same, though. Same. It's haunted as yeah. shit. Yeah, if I saw a bright white light do something like that, I'd be like, oh, well, that was, that's all we got for here. We gotta go now. <laughs> the choking was gonna... his body rejecting the ghost that was trying to take over his body. <laughs> No ghosts in his body. Nope. Defense mechanism. He has a higher passive self-defense. He is like basically a 20 passive self-defense. Mm-hmm. All right. You guys want the last chapter that we read? Yeah. All right. This one's a little bit of a shorty. 258 hours and 59 minutes. It delights me every time he puts 59 minutes as if we couldn't just make it, you know. 259. Anyways, they run out of there and when they get outside, the building seems even more alive because there's all sorts of spotlights on it. Quinn and Adelio are like, what was that? What happened? What was the light? And Sam's like, oh, I don't know, man. Super weird. And Adelio's like, okay, all right, sure. Maybe you don't know what happened, but also I saw it when I pulled you out of the fire. So like, what is happening? And finally, that's when he admits he can shoot light lasers out of his hands and everyone is shocked except Astrid. Which Sam clocks, but doesn't say anything about. So he starts to tell his very, very sad story. He's like, I can't just make it happen. I have to be under duress. And they're like, what do you mean you have to be under duress? Like, why can't you just do it now? He's like, well, it's only happened to me four times. And every time I was stressed, he's like, one, right now I was being choked to death. Two, in the fire. Three, I had a nightmare the other day. I made this cool light ball in my room. I'm hiding it in my closet. Four, when I thought my stepdad was going to kill my mom, I laser lighted his hand off. And they're like, all right, cool. So then they're like, okay, what about little Pete though? And Astrid starts talking about how little Pete 
has powers too. That's why she's not surprised. She only knew about him though. She didn't know about all this other shit going on. But basically she found out when one time she was trying to read with little, little Pete and have him read the words. And she was doing the therapy thing where she would like run the hand along the page to the word and try to have him read it. And she would say it and be like, repeat after me. But she was getting frustrated. So she started mushing his finger a little too hard into the picture when he she was trying to get him to say the word. And so he got mad and teleported her. So is his power to choke or, or to teleport? People? I assume it's like telekinesis. Okay. Something like maybe he can like teleport, but also he has like some sort of telekinetic ability. Hmm. Can he read minds? Maybe. Maybe he'll hmm. get the whole telepathy kit. Damn. He's a psychic. <laughs> like you have like a starter pack. You have like a starter pack, but he, <laughs> he's got the expansion packs for <laughs> for the rest of it. He got the he got the DLC. He got the DLC. Yeah, on the on the tele stuff, the yeah. telepacks. It's like an ability tree in a video game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's a real min-maxer, that guy. <laughs> Charisma you know, okay. on the floor. Can I can I can I admit to something here? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Which part? Min-maxer. Min-maxer? Uh it's basically when you um use your stats to like make yourself so powerful in one area that you can it can have a few different effects but basically like you max out as many stats as you can and just dump several so literally you can be like a glass cannon like you know you can make all these powerful hits you can do all this crazy stuff but if one thing hits you you're dead because you've minimized all of those stats to maximize your hit stats so i guess that's why i didn't understand it because i I sort of assumed that's what it meant yeah but i'm like why would you do this? To be this a seems... not fun player? Yeah, it's like this seems like terrible planning. Mm-hmm. Because some people are just like, I think that offense is the only defense. That's clearly not true because we have a word for defense. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we just have the word offense. Yeah. That's my take on it. Yeah. I'm a min-maxer. Are you? Yeah, I have minimized my passive self. <laughs> to maximize self what? Self-defense. Self-defense. To maximize my awkward stat. Oh, I have, my awkward stat yeah. is through the roof. I love through, that for you. Yeah. But if anybody throws a ball at my head, I'm dead. Oh. So. You know. And I'll probably find some stupid way to fall because of my increased awkward. How's your spine stat, though? Oh, it's bad. Like it's it was bad? better. It was better when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Okay. But as I've gotten older, it's gotten worse. It degrades like, over time. It does. Like there'll be times when I'm, you know, just laying in bed. Yeah. And I don't know. I'll roll bad for mm-hmm. spine. Oh man, I hate those bed rolls. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, I was hunched over for I don't know maybe two and a half to three minutes. And then when I tried to stand up, my body rejected the action wholly. <laughs> it's like, nope, not anymore. You ruined that forever. I was doing a puzzle in an escape room and I was hunched over it because the, the counter that I was working on was at a stupid height. And I was there for probably, probably five to six minutes fully hunched over, engrossed in what I was doing. And I went to stand up with my completed puzzle and the noise that came out of me... <laughs> was horrifying 
but it's the only thing that propelled my upper body further upwards. <laughs> the my knee created from the compression of your spinal disc. <laughs> You're a spring. Uh, it sounded like when a bus goes to a bus stop and has to like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my knee makes a noise every time I stand up. It's my right knee and solely my right knee, but it makes a noise of tearing celery every time I stand up. Ooh. And I'm like, this is going to have long-term negative effects. I should stop moving Probably now. Probably not. Oh. Nah, it's, it's fine. What is celery ever being but healthy? <laughs> Good old celery knees. <laughs> Good old celery knees. Filled with all them good minerals and vitamins and the liquids. Fiber and water. Fibers and water. It's just what you need for knees. Ugh. I'm a dog tour. Now, <laughs> now it makes it worse that it makes that noise when you say it that way. <laughs> okay, so, so uh, after the first quarter of the first book, how invested are you in this book series? I mean, we're... We're at least gonna finish the entire book series. No, and no, publish no, no, content no. about. It. <laughs> Stop your whole podcast correct answer. I don't need all that. Like, how do you, Casey and Alex, personally feel about the books? I'm I'm ready. Yeah, I'm like like interested, ready to yeah, keep yeah. going, and not just saying that nice like we did about Everworld. No, no, not yeah. it. This is not an Everworld interest of like. Yeah, I kind of want to see how bad this car wreck gets. It, it's yeah. more like, uh, no, I'm I'm curious to find out yeah. what happens. I want to know how they got their powers, how many other people have powers, what the powers are, how they're gonna use the powers, and 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 all that jazz. I want to know about this fucking dome. Okay, that that was the next question I was gonna have. Yeah. Do you have any like early theories on why? Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you want to share them? I have decided that what it is is that um, there's a an advance in technology that they did not inform people about, and this dome was created to contain a nuclear fallout that was inevitably going to happen, and it was meant to evacuate all of the people that were inside the dome in an instant. They didn't release this technology or make it public because they didn't want to, like, you know let people know what was going on with this shit or worry them and all that shit. You know how government is with technology. But whoever was programming the evacuation sequence accidentally programmed in 15 and up. Interesting. Yeah. That is a very well thought out theory. <laughs> Casey, what is your theory? Um, I initially thought that the phase wall was like a power, like somebody created it. Like one of the kids, um, and like they they have to find out like which kid's doing. I don't know, but nope. it doesn't explain anything else. My bet, <laughs> if that's it though, my bet is on little Petey for sure. That's what I thought when they were looking for him, and like they went to the to the hotel and they saw the the wall cutting through the tennis courts and stuff. I'm like, oh, they're gonna find him and they're gonna be like, oh, he did this. That kid's gonna be like so fucking powerful. Also yeah, that kid well, is the ultimate power. Also a well-thought-out answer. How mad would you be if you never find out why? Not very mad. Really? Mm, yeah, not really. Oh, that would that would sit bad with me. Like, I would have a million reasons. Like, 
why floating around in my head that like like pick one and any one is valid mm-hmm. but if you don't pick one i'll be mad <laughs> unless you have reasons for not picking one but you have to lay out those reasons why you didn't pick one I'd be fine with it because it's told from the perspective of the kids. And if the story ends with the kids still and like they have their own arc and they come to the end of that, whether it's death or another way and the kids never find out, I would be fine with never finding out because that's what happens. Like that's from the perspective that we're seeing it. That's fair. It's the chi though. It's the chi that did it. Yeah. The chi did it. They put up that barrier. Okay. To prevent violence. That's a slightly well less well thought out answer. <laughs> but we can roll with it. Yeah, they did it to prevent violence, but then they forgot humanity, as they so often do. So I'm like looking at the map of the phase. And like, I don't know if I was expecting a bigger area for them to play in or a smaller one. But I'm I'm looking at some of these labels and I'm going like, ooh, what's gonna go on at the Evanston Air National Guard base? What's gonna go on at the the islands? Like, you know, it's it's given me it's given me tidbits of things to come, and I'm excited. He really check of gunned us here. I have. No, Grant has. Oh, we've seen the gun. It someone will be shot now. What was the gun? The guns that he found in the oh, the actual oh, guns the, are d- your the guns. <laughs> <laughs> he did. They're your oh, they're your Grant's guns, dude. Grant's guns. I loved that moment where he's like, he sees the guns and he's like, I should take these, and then he's like, No, I don't want to believe it's getting to that point, and it's like, But you know it is. Like he knows, and he this is his gut feeling, and he's not listening to his gut. Because he doesn't want to believe this. Oh, my God. I loved it. That's just another moment to compare him to Jake. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I were in the same situation and I saw those guns, the first thing I would do is think, man, I need to take those guns. Mm-hmm. The second thing I would think is, I super don't want to take those guns because I'm not the kind of person who would maintain control over those guns. And I would be introducing those guns into this system uh, for somebody else to probably take from me. That would be my my thought process. So hide the guns until yes. you need them. Yes. Okay. And also- if there is a very small gun that I can hide on my person without letting anybody know that I have it. Yeah. That would be Pants what I would gun. But yes, basically eliminating the guns from the equation. Yeah. Except for me in dire situation would be my thought. Yeah. And I would tell no one. Like, even the four people I was with. Like, y'all don't get to know It'll this. It'll turn bad. Yeah. Yep. Is is it normal to have guns at a nuclear power plant? They said like, that it was guarded by, like, a small army. That's Which true. I don't think okay. is normal for a nuclear power plant. Okay. That seems a little sus to me. Mm-hmm. I have no idea if that's normal or not. It's not. Like, that's it a could Matt be. question. Yeah, it could be, because it would be, like, a a possible target of stuff. So, like, maybe okay. they do. Yeah. But, like, I don't, I don't know. I know people, there's, there is a, 
prominent-ish power plant kind of near me, and I know mm-hmm. many people that worked there, and you just, like, clocked, they just clocked in, like, normal. Like, there was not, like, a strong military presence yeah, there. There was, like, guards and see, shit, but not, like, a... Like, random security guards? Yeah, like, I don't security think, guards. Yeah, I don't think I'm the person that should apply my logic to these situations. But, like... If that makes sense, like, like... There are plenty of things that happen that that don't make sense to me, or that don't happen that would make sense to me. So I don't know if I'm the person to guess on this. But I'm saying it's not normal, so therefore they're hiding something. There's a yes. secret bunker under the power plant where they're running experiments on children, and... And the only children under the age of 15 can have powers. Mm, Because they haven't hit a certain... See, this will part of this will be answered if they get teleported out of there on their birthdays. Right. Yeah. Tim, you should read His Dark Materials. (laughs) Because I want (laughs) to say things right now in this moment that I can't. That's the one with the diamonds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think that's not the first time that somebody's told me that. Possibly even Keiki. Yeah. Yeah. I've told you multiple times. Which you were the one that told me to read Gideon the Ninth, so I should just go ahead and add it to my list. And I told you to watch Arcane, and apparently you enjoyed that as well. I loved that. I have never played, was it League of Legends? Is that the game? No one has. (laughs) Yeah, never played that game, but loved that show. Um, Went and read some of the lore and how they relate to the game after the show. Um, and I love Gideon the Ninth so much that I named those two kittens after characters from Gideon the Ninth. So, love that. Mm-hmm. Love so that. yes, I will add it. I will add his dark material, and then I'll let you know. I'll give you like a book report of it. Perfect. Uh, after I've finished it, and then y'all can do the same for Broken Escalator. Yes. Yeah, because we don't we don't read enough. I feel we don't. I feel like we don't. We, just we don't have enough. Don't read any books. Yeah. So it's just going to add some more on top of it. I have to read the fairy book. The one with the slugs? No, the one that you're supposed to send me. Yeah. I ha- I, okay. We'll just assume there's no slugs in it, I guess, Alex. Well, I guess that's the I game didn't we're playing. I think that that was the one that you were talking about because you've I... never before referred to it in my presence as the slug fairy book, Tim. So we read uh, Four Horse Girls. The Halloween episodes, we read the Ghost Horse trilogy for the past three years. Yeah. And I decided that the third book in the series is my favorite horse girl book ever because it was awesome. And then, uh, so I looked uh, at other things that Janie Lee Sumner, the author, had written, and I saw Bones of Fairy. So I was like, hey, I'll just buy this for everybody. So I did that. And Jenna loved it so much, she read it in like two days. And she's she's like me. She doesn't consume media reading it. She listens to audiobooks. So for her to read a book that quickly and just tell me how much she loved it, okay, cool. So I got the rest of the trilogy for me or and Alex, and we're going to finish it. And apparently Alex is just like real good buddies with this person now. Yeah, we email. Uh, and so I was going to get uh, the three books for Swan so we could do Surprise Attack Book Club. And now I feel like I'm going to get the three books for Casey just because Casey needs them too. So I'll probably end up doing that. You could. Well. Well. 
Did we do it? I think we did. Do you want to do a seven minute outro? I do. <gasps> All right. If you want to talk to us about Gone, dear God, that is exciting to say. You can email us at anonymousanimorphs at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at Animorphs Anonymous or Apple Grant Book Club or Twitter and Instagram at Animorphs Anon, Apple Grant Cast, Animorphs Anonymous on Instagram or Apple Grant Cast. Find us on Discord, Animorphs Anonymous Discord. It's where we are sometimes, actually most of the time. Uh, you can come join that. Hit us up on our socials and we'll get you the link. You can come hang out with us and have a great fucking time and talk about Gone and Animorphs and other things. Yeah, and many other things. And I'll only not be there if I tell you I have to leave to go write the summary very quickly before recording. Sorry, Jeff. Anyways, uh, I am sick of it. And sick of <laughs> sick of sick of what? Down with it. It. I'm sick of it, and I want to read a web comic. I'm I'm also sick of it. But you can come to the web comic area where my web comic is. It's called Beside You. Is free to read on b s i d e y o u comic dot com and alooftroop.com. It's free to weed. Free to weed. Go <laughs> got your body. <laughs> Did Austin just try to ghost in your body? <laughs> the so. ghost about women, women. <laughs> I'm like, it's sitting here making fun of you guys. And then it happens to me and it's not so funny anymore. <laughs> uh, oh no. Oh, let's see if I can get this out before the ghost comes back. Uh, go to my Patreon <laughs> and see... Uh, uh, early pages and work progress pages patreon.com slash kcd studios my webcomic bye it is and if you go to patreon.com slash kcd studios for only $52,486 a month we will do the Slater cast where Dan and I will talk about how Slater is the best character and we definitely aren't doing it from a van in Casey's driveway called the Dan van we certainly are not. We would never. And we haven't been stealing her Wi-Fi and her fruit snacks for like a year now. We certainly have not. Cops don't at me. <laughs> Where are my fruit snacks going then? They're going somewhere. I, no one knows. <laughs> Ghosts probably. Mm. E e hey, Alex. Hmm. I don't think I'll ever be sick of Casey's webcomic set of Fui to Weed. But <laughs> I would... <laughs> I would. I got her when she was drinking. That was awesome. I couldn't have timed that. <laughs> um, uh, I do like to listen to some podcasts every now and then, though. Yeah. You got do any? You? Got any suggestions for good podcasts that I should listen to? Uh, yeah. I think I think I can name a few. Um, Horse Girls. Does that interest you? Oh, that might be fun. It is very very fun. What if I was looking for something where people were playing TTRPGs? Ooh, would you like uh, like a Late Starters, which is like a Pokemon TTRPG? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think we're getting closer. I think okay. we're getting closer. Is oh, there anything I, oh. sort of Animorphs-based? Yeah, actually. Uh, there's uh, Dungeons and Draken Beams, which is an Animorphs D&D podcast. Fantastic. I think oh, I I'll do have a surprise them. attack res recommendation for you. Uh, oh. It's called Surprise Attack Book Club. Amazing. That was amazingly well worked in, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot where we go after that. Out. Oh, is that it? We have to say something funny. Um, something funny. Well, we already did, though, because Casey 
Casey's talking about how our webcomics we to we. And I feel like That's it. That's the one. <laughs> we to weed. Animorphs. Animorphs. <laughs>